Welcome to the Hope New Podcast, a podcast for parents of children impacted by disabilities, where we believe there's beauty in the journey and purpose in the pain. Your hosts are Jonathan and Sarah McGuire. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Jonathan. Today's podcast is a little different than our typical podcast. Yes, it is. We typically focus on the emotional and spiritual side of the journey. However, one huge stressor that parents face is the hard struggles our children experience on the daily basis. Exactly. And in today's episode, we're going to dive into it because anything we can do to help relieve their struggles is worth it. Now, we are chatting with Matthew and Carol Newell, founders of the Family Hope Center and authors of Healing Your Child's Brain. They have dedicated their lives to helping children with special needs and brain-related issues. In the last 35 years, Matthew and Carol have helped 20,000 parents and children with a host of varying diagnoses and symptoms related to brain function, including their own two kids who had developmental challenges. They've helped with things like seizures, autism, blindness, ADHD, sensory issues, brain injuries, Down syndrome, and more. As a mom, I know how common it is for people who are not really familiar with my child's struggles to come up and start telling me what I need to do in order to help my child or how to handle the challenges that we're facing. That's absolutely not what our goal is today. This type of treatment was critical in helping our son and changing the entire trajectory of his life. And we wanted to shed some light on it just in case you might find it helpful for you and your child as well. So we hope you enjoy this conversation with Matthew and Carol Newell. Matthew and Carol, welcome to the Hope A New Podcast. We are so glad to have you both here. Yes, thanks for having us. Can you take a moment to introduce us to your family and share a little bit about your journey and special needs? Okay, Carol, how about you start? Okay, well, Matthew and I actually met working with children with special needs uh, I had had a special needs cousin growing up, which put me, started me on my journey. And we worked, that's why I wanted to work with children with special needs and was working with children with special needs and met Matthew uh, when we were working in a school which had brain injured young adults there that we were serving. And then we got married, we had our children and we, two of our children had special needs and became, and it became pretty obvious to us. Uh, it was a blessing because we knew what to do with them because we were in the field. So it wasn't all a, su- a surprise in knowing that, uh, you know, what do I do? But it was still quite challenging um, having these two children that uh, that needed a lot of extra time and attention. Mm-hmm. Matthew. Yes, I think, yeah, well, we, what we came to realize when we had our, our first child was well, our second one was well and got hurt with a vaccination shot. So that dashed a lot of our you know life became pretty dark mm. obviously when that happens and it's a shock 24 hours later you have a severely hurt mm. little girl but the you know the the idea that we we understood the brain and how it worked and we could see the injury in a way that most people don't have the ability to see because we worked in the field it gave us an ability to develop a plan that helped move us through the grief <laughs> grief is overwhelming when there's no idea how to support so and um then a third one we adopted with a severe uh injury and we were able to see her injury who it was here's her brain here's the person the person's wonderful the brain is really really mm-hmm. making things complicated for her to focus there's an addiction in the brain so you know working together with with our kids and of course running a clinic we run the family hope center which is a multinational clinic helping kids 
and adults with a variety of neurological complications that people would, you know, call different things. And we've seen families from six continents and 34 different countries. And we have a team of therapists who are relentless and focused mm-hmm. on helping kids. And we often tell parents, you can't get to the brain unless you get to the heart first. Mm-hmm. And that's a critical piece because we, our heart can sometimes close down while we're looking at such a, a difficult situation. And we just go through the motions sometimes. And we help parents coach them through the heart into the brain and try to see the child in a way which they were designed, but they got hurt. And how can we help mm-hmm. them as a family and the child as a person? So that's what we've been doing for 40 years. And we've uh, been learning on our knees, as it were. We refuse to give up on families and the brain and thinking that there's a way which we can support. Yeah, so that's what we get up every day. That's our why. Mm-hmm. And... Um, we are blessed to be able to do that. And yeah. Wow. I love that. I love that, uh, that statement of you can't get to the brain unless you go through the heart first. That's just, uh, very impactful. So it is. And it resounds with me in one of the doctors who was most instrumental in our son's treatment, um, made the comment to me at one point and said, the kids who have the most success in the treatment, he says, I don't know what it is and I can't define it, but it's something about the mother. There's something in the mothers that I see and how they relate to their kids that mm-hmm. that heavily influences treatment. And, True. Um, and I, I, I say that about fathers. We just had a hmm. parent training last week, and I say, fathers, you should be the first ones up and the last ones to bed. Hmm. And if you're gonna, the Bible says, you know, love your wife. That means you gotta, and you know, you gotta create a pathway for everyone in the family to succeed. And when you show up, um, things change. You know, mm-hmm. when the father shows up, even if he shows up with a twinkle in his eye and he's working 55 jobs and a thousand hours to mm-hmm. support the family, if he knows his child and he knows his family and he supports his wife's things, there's healing. The family heals and the child heals. Mm-hmm. Everybody heals together, as it were, right? And that's why we were called the Family Hope Center. And by the way, I didn't name the Family Hope Center the Family Hope Center. A mother did. Hmm. I was going to name it like the Institutes for Neurological Reorganization or something like hmm. that, you know, something like really scientific and kind of macho. But a mother said to me, no, there's no way you're going to do that. You know, you're, my kid was sitting on the floor, bobbing back and forth, functionally blind, seizuring, couldn't walk. And now he's in school and doing all kinds of great things. You, you gave my family hope. Wow. You gave me a pathway out of the darkness. So you should call it the family hope. Center. And I said, no way. We're not going to call it that. <laughs> <laughs> That's not macho enough. And Kyle, Kyle looked at me and says, That's the name we're going to call it. And I was like, Oh my goodness. Okay. I'm, I'm outnumbered, but in a good way. Um, so over the years, it's turned out to be, in a sense, you know, who we are, who we want to be, yeah. you know? So. Mm. I love it. And obviously we're hope anew because we help families who have lost hope, you know, and, mm. and yeah, mm-hmm. on that same journey. So obviously that resonates with us. Yeah. We might we be a little biased it. though, but yeah, we yeah, love it. You know. <laughs> but so, yeah, I am going to share with our audience a little of our story that they've probably never heard. If for our listeners, if you've read our blog, you've seen some little glimpses into it and in, in the backdrop to our story. But I have never really shared within Hope and New what we did for our son and what helped him so tremendously because we have stayed focused on the 
emotional struggles of the parent and the path that they go through. So I haven't really focused on what we did to help our son function better. So I'm going to give just a real brief overview of that as an introduction to this conversation. So our son, our youngest son, when he was three weeks old, he, before that, he seemed fine and normal. And at three weeks, everything changed overnight. And um, he was in pain. He was screaming constantly. He had digestive issues. And later we were, it would become obvious that he had uh, brain damage issues as well or neurologic inflammation, you know, it can go by, you have a lot more insight into that. But anyway, uh, that became obvious a little later on. So between the ages of three weeks and 12 months, it became obvious that he was allergic to all food except for sweet potato. And then between 12 months and 18 months, it became obvious that he was severely autistic. He was missing milestones. He was not verbal. Um, Like when he was younger, he didn't babble and stuff like a normal baby um, does. And uh, he had a flat affect. Um, He had um, either like what I would call off, like like you turn a device off, it was like he would just turn off, or he was in pain. Those were his two emotions, if you will. So he had a real flat affect. He was very highly sensory sensitive. Um, He could hear like dog whistles and noises. He could hear sirens many, many minutes before anybody in the other, anyone else in the household could. And we didn't know that he was hearing those things and sensitive to them until he was older and could begin to speak. And then we realized why he was reacting so strongly to certain things and things that we couldn't hear or understand in electrical outlets and different things. So when he was between 19 and 20 months, we there was a whole path to get to that point that I won't go into, but we went really alternative with um, how we helped him. And we started some cranial sacral, and that really uh, helped at first. We had already been doing a very nutrient-dense, clean diet for him and avoiding things that we knew he was allergic to, which, as I said, he was allergic to all food except sweet potato. We had done some other treatments to start eliminating some of those allergens to where he was able to eat more and more foods, Um, but we stuck to a very nutrient-dense, clean diet. But then we started what was called functional neurology, and that totally changed things for him. And we did some other things too, but those were really some of the foundational hugely influencing things that we immediately started to see improvements in him and his ability to function. He started speaking in entire phrases. You know, he went from nonverbal to speaking whole phrases and being able to think and communicate and connect with other people. And, you know, his affect broadened and he was able to express, feel and express different emotions and So I say all of that just to give a background to our journey and that while we didn't know you guys and we didn't know the the Family Hope Center and what they do, by uh, me previewing your book already, I can see that it was very similar in many regards to the approach that we took in treating our son. So I was so excited when you guys contacted me to learn that your new book, Healing Your Child's Brain, is now available and, or will soon will be, I'm not sure you can clarify that, 
but um, and we will have a link to it in our show notes. So I'm so excited to share these possibilities and that this is out there with our audience and listeners because it can be absolutely life-changing for our kids and for us. So I would like to ask you guys, what inspired this book and what was your goal in writing it? Carol, how about you start? Yeah, I think, well, obviously we've been working with families just like you and we've seen many children that the way you describe your son, um, we've seen it many, many mm-hmm. times, as, along with multiple other things that can happen to children and that cause brain injuries or brain or neurological dysfunction, whichever way you want to, to look at it. Mm-hmm. And um, our, we, we teach families and have done all along. We think it's so important for the family. So going back to the point that the parent, the parent needs to be educated. The parent needs to understand their child. So it's so important for the children, you know, parents to understand their child, understand what they're looking at, if nothing else. And then to have tools and therapies they can do at home because ultimately you can have a therapist once a week, but that's not going to change your child. It's daily that they need to have parents or therapists and or therapists working together with them to help them with, with their uh, overall development. And we knew, although we've reached hundreds and thousands of, of parents and children through our teaching and teaching at seminars and um, over the years and seeing many, you know, hundreds and hundreds of children come to our clinic, we're, we're barely scratching the surface. So our goal and objective is to produce, was to put our life work in a book, at least as much of it as we were allowed to put in with the limits of pages and say, what, how can we help? to reach more families, families that can't travel to us, families that can't go to a conference or don't even know that there's a possibility of taking one step at a time towards healing their child and have that same understanding and have a plan that they can work with. Yeah, that's so exciting. I'm so thankful you guys have taken that steps to make that available. Yeah, it's not easy to, when you have a clinical practice, as you know, when you have a clinical practice, to find the weekends and the night nights to <laughs> put it all together and then to decide what you're going to leave out and what you're going to put in. But I think our one of the one of the things that um, just continues to move us forward is God is in control of this whole process. And we felt compelled to put down as much as we can that the brain can heal. No mm-hmm. plasticity exists. Deaf yeah. kids, you know, get really good at reading the lips. Um, blind kids get really good at hearing. Um, people that exercise one pathway along the well, you know, get really good in football and mm-hmm. violin and art. Whatever you train your brain to do, it can train. But there's this thing out there that if you're hurt in the brain, blind, deaf, paralyzed, trachea tube, whatever, autism, spectrum disorder, ADD, ADHD, all these things, labels that you just put on something that's actually not scientific, then we spend a lot more time managing those things and actually healing them. And the time it takes to manage it's probably the time it takes to heal. Mm-hmm. And instead of doing this, we go do this. Instead of doing this, we thought, you know, we have to, as Cal said, put this down on paper. We have to leave something behind that is scientific, and it's thoughtful, and it works, and there's no plasticity, and it's not hocus-pocus. It's if we do this, the brain will shift in response to simulation. If we write it down, um, it's already in a couple of languages. just came out in January. We're thankful that it's out. I'm thankful that a company actually would publish it because it is saying healing. Right. A lot of people say, well, can you really heal children with autism spectrum? This diagnosis, can you really heal seizure? Can you really, you know what? The brain has the capacity to heal. 
if you do certain things and execute in a consistent manner, the brain has the ability to grow in relationship to the simulation. So we thought, let's do this. Let's put it down on paper. Let's think whatever hours it takes to do it. And we're thankful that we finished it. You know, in, in, we're also seeing hundreds and hundreds of kids each year in our clinic. And we're thankful that it's down on paper and we can... Yeah. And one thing that strikes me about the task that you guys had to do that, and not that I know the ins and outs of what you do, but what strikes me is that every individual is so individual. So how do you write down how to help when everybody is, I would imagine that your protocols at your facility are very individualized. Well, one of the things that you started to read the book, which is, you know, I'm, you know, thankfully we could put that in your hands. Chapter five begins to say the brain runs in a very analytical way. There's, there are five major parts of the brain. There are seven major domains, meaning vision and hearing and tactility and mobility mm-hmm. and language and manual and emotions. And you can actually map the brain. You can sit down and map brain about what parts of the brain are happy your medulla your reflexes where kids get in post-traumatic stress disorder if the reflexes are unhappy you have the pons in the midbrain the limbic brain you have all these different parts and if you understand how the brain runs kind of like electricity works or gravity works you can actually map the brain and when you map the brain the child's brain appears to you that these are the parts that are really happy and working well these are the parts that aren't happy, and this is the reason it's not happy. This is the extent it's not happy. And then that drives you towards a treatment protocol that is neurologically based. So while all the kids are different, once you map out where you are, which we teach parents, and it's in the book, then they think, oh, I see where all the connections mm-hmm. are. I see why... He holds his hands over his ears when he hears the train mm-hmm. coming from three blocks away. And he walks back and forth and makes his own sounds to block it. Ah, oh, that's his midbrain. Oh, if I do this and this, I can train his brain not to manage it, but to heal. And he could be on a well pathway. Oh, so instead of taking him on a hurt pathway, I can take him on a I can take him on a well pathway and I can develop a plan that I and then it turns frustration into you know, okay, I got a plan. Before I couldn't sleep at night because my kid was down the hallway and he couldn't do this, this, and this. And I made me hold my breath. I couldn't breathe. You have a hurt kid. A child is hurt. You can't breathe unless you have something that you know is going to be effective. And so parents come to us and say, oh, now I understand why he does all these things that seem so bizarre. And so, like, why his legs are wrapped around his neck? Why he's blind? Why he can't swallow? Why he drools? Why he does this, this, and this? Oh, mm-hmm. okay. If I do this, and this part of the brain will heal, then therefore the symptoms will go away, and new functions will appear. Yes, yes, that's how it works. <laughs> so although it seems complicated, in some ways when you step back and you kind of drone over the brain, you go, oh, there are ways in which the levels of hierarchical complexity operate. And if I follow the rules of neurodevelopment, I can participate. And by the way, I can bring in the baker and the candlestick maker. I can bring in this. I can bring in anybody. Yeah, sit at the table with me and support me and help me, which, by the way, life turns out to be a team sport. But if I'm sitting at the head of the table, I can direct traffic because now I understand my child and I can bring in anybody I want to help me and we're going to love this child through, you know, if love would have fixed kids, all the kids would be well. Yeah? 
But love needs an action plan. <laughs> and it needs to be neurologically driven. And it needs to be administered so the child trusts you. The child trusts the healer. Everybody wins. <laughs> and that's like a family. And then the family adds people into the family, the doctor, the therapist, whomever. But nobody's smarter than the mother and the father. They know their child. They just don't know where everything goes. But once you understand it, then they go, okay, I can do this. You know? And it turns grief into joy. You know, the joy that comes from the heart, the contentness that you know you're on the right path. And despair into being able to breathe again. You get up every day and say, yes. I'm going to bring my gifts, my husband, all my brothers and sisters. Everybody's going to chip in. We're going to help John or Sally, you know, whatever the complication that he's struggling with. Yeah, and just kind of going to, to just to give like in a specific example, because you bring up a good point that every, every child is so different. And we see the full range of children, no matter mm. what the problem is. If the problem's in the brain, we're, we're, we're in. And so your child who would cover his ears and have showed certain behaviors when he heard those sounds, mothers who have a child who is immobile and cannot cover their ears, they learn, they learn right, very quickly and intuitively, there's a sound bothering my child. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, oh, I just associated the fact he started to get upset. And then a few moments later, I heard the train coming. And they start to put, you put it together as a parent and you start to see... Um, or if not, in our book, we explain how you can check those things out. How do you look, look, what sort of things do you look for to see if there's an oversensitivity to sounds? And children will display it slightly different depending on the challenges that they have. But they still have that root cause and it's in their midbrain. That's the part of the brain it comes from. But they're not hearing those sounds correctly, uh, hearing them too loud or they're hearing them not loud enough. And therefore, they need, as Matthew said, an action plan to uh, to be able to grow that part of the brain. I love that. So often as parents, we feel like our opinions don't matter or mm-hmm. like I'm just a mom or I'm just a dad. And uh, I don't, I don't really know what's going on compared to yada, yada person with such degrees and such credentials after their name. And I love how your book, how your system empowers the parent to take control and uh, really became, become the I guess the the go to uh, the person that's in charge of the care and treatment plan of, of the child. Mm-hmm. So that that's uh, wonderful. I love that. We will return to our interview in just a moment, but first, I want to ask you: Who is your tribe? Do you have a group that gets it? Does your support group offer master classes from qualified professionals that you have access to at any time? Is it a positive, hope filled, and encouraging group? We want to invite you to the Hope Anew online community. The goal is that together we are building the most encouraging, real, hope-filled way for parents of children impacted by special needs and disability to engage with a group that gets it. You can have access to the community anywhere that you have your smartphone or computer. It's a private group, not hosted on Facebook, and you will find daily questions, monthly themes, regular master classes that you can access at any time in the resource library, and most importantly, you will have a Christ-centered group that gets it. A laugh together, cry together, pray together community that understands what you're going through without you having to explain a thing. A place where you can be real, be encouraged, and encourage others. You can join by going to hopeanew.com, and we look forward to seeing you there. Now, I know as a parent, and actually as a, with our, as a 
from a professional background, there's misconceptions that I had going into this and I had to get over as, as we were going through this journey with our son. As you, as you've been doing this, what are some misconceptions that you have seen parents have and also the medical uh, field have regarding our children and their, their diagnosis? Uh, yeah, I think the, one of the things that comes to mind uh, first is that we put a lot of trust in doctors and, and we have maybe expectations that aren't realistic of those doctors. Hmm. And it is important for us as parents to get in the driver's seat of our own child's, child's development. Mm-hmm. And you know, one of our, uh, our, our medical director, one of the things that she says very early on in the lectures when she gives lectures, she apologizes for doctors. She hmm. said, first of all, I'd like to apologize if you've been led astray. But I also want to give you a little bit of a realistic background here. Doctors, medical doctors have about half an hour of nutrition t- training throughout their medical training. Mm. So unless they've gone to specialize in nutrition, they don't know anything about nutrition. So the fact that we as parents sometimes go to our doctors and we expect them to give us medical advice and nutritional advice, they don't know everything. Mm-hmm. And so learning very quickly that we use the resources we have and find out of those resources what is their specialty and what can, what can they give to us or what do I need to be, you know, find out myself or go to another resource until I find the person who has the answers you know, for my child. Yeah, and also just to back that up, just in our own journey, we were in you know, the government program when kids were under three in the state we lived in. You could get free services for kids with you know, extra needs. And one of those services was to have a nutritionist come out and meet with you. And when she came out and meet with me, of course, by the time, you know, we got to the point on the winning list where she came, I had been doing so much research to find out what would help him. She came and met with us and asked what I was feeding him and what we were doing. And I told her what we were doing and why. And she's like, you know, way more about this than I do. And she's Mm -hmm. like, I can't help you at all beyond what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I was and, floored by yeah, that. And you know what's what's a little bit tragic here is it how come you didn't know as much as I did? Right. The reason is yeah. you didn't have her kid. When you have her kid, it gets super personal. Right. You know, and when you have her kid, you keep. You know, I learned a lot of things on my knees, and I became qualified in many different fields of energy work with cranial sacral and advanced chiropractic and acupuncture. And food sensitivity clearing and all kinds of things because when you're in pain and you're relentless and you learn more things because you're like, you know what, I'm not smart enough. I've got to figure this out. Right. And you as a mother said, I got to figure this out. And I could see he's food sensitive, boom, boom, boom. And, you know, the misconceptions that we see when people walk in the door at our parent training is I'm just a parent. I'm just a parent. Mm-hmm. I'm just a parent. And they've been walking through the doctor. They go into the doctor's office, six foot one or five foot seven, and they walk out three inches short. Mm-hmm. Like feeling, I am like the least qualified, unqualified person in the universe to help my kid. Okay. I have to hand them over. No. So there's a misconception that you're not qualified. And that's not true because you are qualified because love qualifies you by, yeah. by definition. Yeah. And I want to. And- I'm going to interrupt you and speak to that a little bit there, just to tell a little of our story and how I made that shift. We basically spent the first year going from doctor to doctor to doctor, seeking help, looking for them to answer our problem. And after we had been to a certain number of doctors and he was 12 months old, he was failure to thrive, he wasn't growing, he couldn't eat food, 
and I couldn't nurse him enough anymore. And my diet was severely restricted because of what he would react to. And I went to a doctor's appointment and told them that. And they basically said, well, he's not heavy enough. You need to feed him more. And well, that wasn't working. And I asked, well, what do we need to do next? He's, you know, allergic. And they said, well, we can test him for allergies, you know, and they named a a date far off in the future. And my response was, he's going to die by then. Like he won't live Mm. that long. And Mm. as I walked out of the doctor's office that day, I said, well, what would allergy testing tell us what he's allergic to? Well, that's not going to help at all. It's pretty obvious. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out when you put something in, it comes back out where he starts screaming or bashing his head or, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, that's not going to help. I need him to not be allergic anymore. And mm-hmm. that's when it dawned on me, they didn't have the answers that I needed in order to mm-hmm. save his life. And that's mm-hmm. the day I decided I'm going to have to take charge of figuring out how to help him. And that right. changed everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So parents come to us saying, uh, I'm not qualified and I, I, I'm here and I have about three days of hope left. You know, I have $800 worth of hope left and I just want to just breathe and know that there's something I can do for my child. And I think I'm smart enough, but everybody tells me like, I'm not because I'm a construction worker or I'm a lawyer or I'm a mother. And so we see that. And if I say, what's the moon made of? I still say cheese in my head because my mother told me <laughs> the moon was made of cheese. So if someone says to you, hey, kids with autism spectrum diagnosis, they never really get well. Kids who are blind, you know, if they're past five months, they're never going to see it. Kids who are CP past six years, they're never going to walk. If you have seizures, it's pretty much a lifelong thing. If you go, if you get ADD, ADHD, it's a lifelong chronic condition. And that's actually not true. So I think there's a management pathway out there and then there's a healing pathway and the jump from one to another, it takes a little bit of courage. The parents are usually the first ones to make the leap because it's personal. And then we sit down and say, there's a scientific way we can get through this. And you, you know, let's, let's do this together. Let's coach, guide, support you together so that you don't have to do this by yourself. You feel unqualified. There's these misconceptions that if you're blind, you're always blind. If you're deaf, you're always deaf. If you have seizures, you always have seizures. So parents are like struck by this finality mm-hmm. of the diagnosis. And that misconception that maybe Jonathan, you had like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be stuck here forever. And now all I have to do is love my kid. And But his diagnosis is going to be while he's 29 years old. That could really just grab you by the throat. And there's misconceptions are put out there, but they're not actually true. Yeah. You know, that you could, blindness, 93% of our kids come to us who are blind, learn to see the parents and recognize them in 18 months. Mm. It, it, it took the parent to do that. You know, so that misconception, once you take the veil away from all these misconceptions, parents begin to breathe and they go, okay, the brain can heal. I can be part of this package. And and my family can come along. We can do this together. And I don't have to be by myself. I'm going to hire some experts. Mm-hmm. I hire experts to help mm-hmm. me with my finances and my accounting. You know, I have people who are pretty smart taking care of me. Mm-hmm. We're pretty good at this. So we'll help you with this part. You'll get somebody to help you with that part. And we can coach each other. And there's a, we're got some experience, you know, and results. The results are based on neurological and putting it in the middle of the family. I've, I've got to ask now, is this something that only works? You know, my child is 
two years old, so they're the lowest certain age it works, or does it like you know my child's twenty years old and that this will still uh, help my child? At any level, we had a child recently at twenty three years old who was profoundly on the spectrum, and he's doing spectacularly well. The brain can grow at any point of your life, whether you decide to learn gin rummy or you decide to pick up the violin at 41, or you're hurt, and there's pathways that are disorganized. If you approach the brain with good nutrition and the person trusts you and you can execute consistency, things you know, you're going to learn something if you do it on a daily basis, basically. The brain can grow at any portion of your life. It's been proven, even at 90 years old, your brain is trying to rewire and grow new pathways in response to stimulation and you just got to know how you're going to manage that stimulation what you do every day is going to make a difference what you don't do is getting in the way of the healing there's some things that we as parents do that aren't quite you know that's interesting we don't have routines we feed the kids stuff that he likes as opposed to what he needs (laughs) we don't quite discipline them i mean discipline means imparting wisdom in a way that's consistent within the family we treat the kid quite differently than the others in terms of how we're going to talk to them in a way. So we can, we say these things don't do, these things do do. And there's never a point that we can't make a change if there's a plan and a family to support that plan. Hmm. Wow. That's really, that's really encouraging to hear. That is super encouraging. And I'd like to ask too, is the information that your book contains, is it mainly informational? And if a parent wants to pursue that route in order to help their child, then they need to connect with your facility or travel to your facility? Or is it more of a workbook or manual that they can take and apply at home? Or is it some combination of that? Or how does that work? Beginning would, chapter six. Okay, go ahead, Carol. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was, yeah, no, you're right. Beginning chapter six, we do start to talk about an action plan. There's plenty in the book to get started with. I think that one of the most important things is the first part of the book where we talk about how do you measure the brain and how do you know where the challenges are and really understanding that I'm looking at these high-level skills that my child doesn't have and why don't they have them and going right back to the basics of the brainstem and really being able to measure, measure where my child is and understand the core problem is coming from the core part of the brain, which is the brainstem, and understanding that and measuring that. And then we do, as we, as we go along, in the in the following chapters start to give uh, somewhat of an action plan we do see at the highest end we do see parents and we do support them and we help them to measure their child's brain and measure the child's brain together with them but our primary uh, purpose is to educate parents and so the having this book to be able to reach more parents is, um, is quite a thing for us. But um, we also have all our courses online. So parents can jump in at any point and take courses where they can learn from us lecturing and uh, learn how to measure their child's brain and to, and to create an action plan that they do at home. We may, may never see many of those parents we never see. Now, hmm. we always we used to see them in person <laughs> in group classes. Um, we had started putting our courses online at the end of 2019 and uh, and and our main course for children with uh, with brain injuries and neurological challenges, was, which is called How to Help Your Child with Special Needs, we filmed actually in the early part of 2020. So that got fast-tracked to get mm-hmm. out there to everybody as opposed to just whoever would, would want it. So 
that has and that it's really helped us to be able to reach families through through this year and the, you know, the last year, which has been challenging for everyone to meet in purpose. And we do a lot of our, our appointments online now, of course, because of the pandemic. But we were doing those before for parents who couldn't travel. It's very difficult to get on a plane with a child who's got an autism. Um, diagnosis and they're having tantrums and having sensory issues the whole time and it's quite challenging so uh, we're very happy that now with parent people getting more comfortable with being on zoom that we can support parents in the, at least as long as is necessary on zoom and they can always come to our facility as well but um, there's a lot of different options out there. Well, that excites me so much to hear that because people who have talked to me about it, I've been sending them to the doctor we used in Texas, but that's not often practical for a lot of people. And so Mm -hmm. I'm so excited Mm -hmm. to have these resources that they can use wherever Mm -hmm. they are. Mm -hmm. And I think if we divided the book into four parts, the first would be orientation. Who are you and what is the actual thing you're dealing with? Orient the person so they can feel grounded, measure the brain, deliver a therapeutic protocol with love, kindness, patience, thoughtfulness, and direction. And then how do you thrive as a family in this experience? Because you can't fall down. This is a marathon. It's going to take mm-hmm. Each child may never get completely well. Okay, so you're the shepherd. How are you going to do this and be like a superhero and thrive and not fall down. So we, years and years of experience, thousands of parents, our own experiences, we wrote down, okay, this is how we, this is what success, this is what successful parents do. And this is what we learned over the years to do and not do because we got to win. We all want to win and have a good marriage and have a good family. And the, the well kids got to see us all working together and the hurt child, we want to make sure they don't feel, you know, they don't feel terrible. We just all work together. So, is divided into four parts. And our, our parent trainings are all about coaching and giving advice. And we see probably 400 kids a year personally. And then the rest we see through online experiences. Yeah, it's so good. So we begin the podcast by saying that uh, there's beauty in a journey and purpose in the pain. Now, as you've worked with parents and as you've walked this journey, how have you seen this to be true in, in, your, in your own life? Yeah, I think that learning, um, learning the, the the journey is a process. So we're, you know, our book we've named "Healing Your Child's Brain." Not heal. It's not an instant thing. It is a journey. That's why it's healing. It's a process. And I think as parents, we also got on that healing journey because there's a lot of sadness and a lot of grief. And there were many times I remember as a parent mm-hmm. having to say no to things that I really, in my heart of hearts, I had. I had dreamed of doing with my child when 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 I became a parent, um, especially because I started in early childhood education. So there were many things that I wanted to do for my children. And then when when they're hurt, you don't have that luxury anymore. You have to put things aside. Right. So being able to put aside my dreams of what I thought it was to be a parent and learn that it's different, and and that I'm on this journey now, and uh, this journey is to be able to guide, help, and support my child neurologically and socially and to become a, a good functioning adult and, uh, and to be better than they were going were gonna to be because I understand their brain and I know that every day that I put attention to that is going to help them on their, on their journey. And, and, and staying strong, keeping a, keeping a good, strong faith through that has really helped us um, as well. Okay. Great. For me, 
the beauty in the journey was I got to connect with my kids because I did it with them and I became mm-hmm. fearless and I knew them inside and out and upside down. And there's that kind of trust that they look in your eyes and they know that you are clear about who is going to help them. So for me, just connecting deeply with my kids and having that clarity of purpose, you know, we can all get distracted by a thousand things, mm-hmm. but the beauty for me in the journey was connecting with my kids and they now know mm-hmm. that Mr. Big is never going to leave them. But mm-hmm. and I've done my girls. No, you know, they're my girls. <laughs> and that's it. Mm-hmm. The personal purpose and the pain was I realized I had to be a better father. I thought I was a good father, you know, but the third one was pushing every button I had. She told me she hated me all the time. Mm-hmm. She stole, lied, and cheated. She did all kinds of behaviors that you're just like, I can't believe you just did that. And by the way, she couldn't believe she did. The front part of the brain was not operating Mm. until I'm degree. And so I realized, you know, I have anger coming out of my heart. I have frustration. You know, she's, you know, uh, and I thought, you know what? I can't. What am I doing here? You know, I'm not. I'm Well, hold on. So it really cut and shaped me and realized that I am not who I think I am. So I had to be a bigger a bigger father. I had to be a better father. And, you know, she just, she just chinned me up. And of course the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit was there going, yeah, okay, no, here, let me show you this. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't completely left alone, but it was painful, but it was re- refinement. You know, Peter says, you know, I, I refine, the, the, the tribulations are going to refine you. And this third one was, it was a refinement of, you know, seeing, you know, some of the, uh, stuff in my heart that just absolutely wasn't supposed to be there mm-hmm. so that was for me and you know i learned a lot from my kids which helped me with other mm-hmm. kids mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and so yeah. you learn about vaccinations you learn about addictions and adoption that their ones adopted so it was a lot of trauma that she has so we had to balance her brain through her brain stem so that the trauma that she had um although it was emotional because trauma does change your brain we were able to redirect her brain and so by having her in my house blowing up my house made me confront and i was thankful for that because i don't think i would have learned as much if it wasn't in my face Hmm. in a good way so that oh okay if i do this and this and this i can help a lot of other kids who are Hmm. adopted and addicted addicted to whatever they're addicted to and i can help parents and americans adopt more kids than all the all the countries in the world put together And there's a very high suicide rate for kids who are adopted, much more than regular kids. So I learned a lot, and we've been able to help a lot of parents because it, when it's personal, we learn, you know, yeah. pass it on. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to add to that. I mean, that part, that having that, seeing that having the sadness of having a child who's hurt and getting on the journey, and then realizing what a blessing it is because it's helping you to help other parents through mm-hmm. their journey, um, to be able to reflect on that um, as we as we went through it and, and know we're learning a lot here, as Matthew said, we're really learning a lot. Now, one question I want to ask real briefly here. We're running out of time, so but I'm thinking of the parent who's out there wondering, can this help my child? And you've mentioned several symptoms or diagnoses that you've helped. What are, I, I just want to hone in on that a little bit more because when you're in the middle of, when all you've heard is the typical 
messages that we get of it's genetic or it's this or that, that, you know, this is how they are for life. It can be hard to make that shift and wrap your mind around the fact that there might be a possibility of improvement or eliminating some of these things. So could you just name some of the, whatever order you want to do it in symptoms, issues, diagnosis, sometimes you can't do diagnosis because of legal issues. I understand that. So whatever form you want to do that in of what types of things you see most commonly that are improved or eliminated. Sure. I mean, I think I'll give a general, then Matthew add. I think that there are there are so many diagnoses out there. So there's no way we could possibly sure. name all the diagnoses, right? And that what they're now with science, they're looking for the genes and it's not just children who have Down syndrome and those more common genetic disorders that we've seen for so many years. We're now seeing many more very specific gene things that happen and they're digging deeper. But the reality is, once you get that diagnosis, then all we know is we ha- now, now we have a name, but it doesn't give us an action plan to move forward. And what we always say is when parents call us and say, but my child's got this. Have you ever had a child with this? And we can go back on our records many times. We can find, yes, we do, uh, but often not because of new diagnosis and new genes that they're finding. And the question to ask yourself as a parent is, Whatever my child's been diagnosed with, even if it's a more of a physical disability, is it affecting my child's brain and their neurological development and their overall development? If so, then we can help. We can help change the brain. Sometimes we can't change the physical. We might have a child who's blind because their eyes are injured, and therefore we can't put them on that program to help them to develop the neurological part of their vision because their eyes are physically just not present or injured in such a way that we can't change it, but we can help the rest of the child's development and their neurology. Okay. So our final question is, if our audience would like to connect with you further, how can they find you? That's nice. So that would be just Family Hope Center. Just type in the Family Hope Center. Uh, and we were the first one to be called. Now there's the Center for Family Hope and all this other things, <laughs> uh, which you're like, oh, they took it a name. That's not fair. Um, but if they just type in the Family Hope Center, Matthew and Carol Newell will come up and there's some free lectures, there's some free information in there, like three hours of this whole process and call our office. We have a team member specifically for family support and we are excited to support you. And of course, our book, you know, Healing a Child's Brain, that's Mm -hmm. available on Amazon. It's available Barnes and Nobles, most the most common booksellers. Uh, We're on Facebook and we're also on Instagram. So if you uh, use any of those and LinkedIn, so you can connect with us in that way and follow us. We have um, the first part of our parent training course is available at no cost. So the first few hours are available. If you go on any of those, go on our website or any of the other social media sites, you'll be able to click on that and just join and just watch the first part for, you know, as our gift to you and see if it's the right thing for you and your family to connect with us more. Excellent. Mm. Thank you so much for providing those resources. We very grateful to you. Yeah, thank you for that. And also, thank you so much for coming on the interview today. Well, thank you, Jonathan. Thank, thank you, Colleen, you. for having us. Thank, thank you, you, Sarah. Good to us. Yeah.